If this is your first time at Radiant, we have a visitor's card. We'd like you to complete it. And um, if you have time, um, put it in the offering uh, receptacle as it comes through. If not, there's an information desk in the lobby that you can leave your visitor's card with. And so we're going to take up our offering at right now, but before we do, we're just going to say a short prayer. Dear Father, we thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to give. We thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to support your work in the earth. Father God, let us give with a cheerful heart, Father God, not begrudgingly, but give, Father God, because we want to give. We know that when we give, Father God, we bless others, but we also are, are blessed, Father God. So we thank you for the opportunity to donate, to sow seed, to support the work of the missionaries in the Philippines and Reverend Abraham over in India, Father God, and also, Father God, for all the missionaries, Father God, that Radiant wants to help. So we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, and thank you for this offering and this time of giving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, Radiant Church, blessings to you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your donations. I was able to go to South Africa, as you know, and God did wonderful things, just absolutely more than I could even think of or ask of, of him. I was able to go into Sun City Prison and take in toiletries, toothpaste, toothbrushes, soap powder, bar soap, lotions, um, all kinds of hygiene products for the women. Um, in Sun City Prison, they have 14,000 inmates, and uh, 3,000 of them are women, and the women there actually get to keep their children with them up until, I believe, the age of two. And so we had infants in the service, and oh, my heart, I just, but the women were very, very open to receiving the word, and God blessed mightily. And I also was able to go to Pretoria Prison, women's prison, and we had a huge, huge turnout for the service there. And again, God blessed, and the altar call was magnificent, and many souls came to the Lord Jesus. So thank you for your prayers. Um, God does exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think of according to the power that works within us. And so I love you. I love your heart for giving, not only of your finances, but of your prayers and your time. And as I said before, Pastor Jeremy will be back next week, but we're going to get into the word right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. So bear with me because I want to, for those of you who weren't here last week, I want to kind of summarize some key points that Pastor Jeremy made last week. As you know, he has been teaching um, a series called uh, The Letters to the Exile. And this is Peter, Apostle Peter, writing to the churches in Asia Minor. And these churches are full of believers. 
And in 2 Peter, the third chapter, Peter is talking to them about Christ's return. And he is writing to them and he's telling them to continue living holy because Jesus will be coming back soon. And he's saying, don't pay attention to what the scoffers are saying, the mockers are saying, because when the day of the Lord comes, it will come like a thief in the night, unannounced. We won't know the time. We won't know the hour. But we must always be ready. He also tells them that God fulfills all of his promises. And we know that. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And so God will fulfill all of his promises. And the reason why Christ has not returned yet is because God has restrained himself. He's restrained himself because he wants all men to come to repentance and to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so he's being very patient with us and very long-suffering with us. But Jesus will return, and that's for sure. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. But as believers, we have to be ready. We must be ready. And then he tells them, be aware of false teachers and false prophets who would twist the word and pervert the word. And in doing so, many will fall away because of this. But he's saying, stay focused and be aware of who you listen to. And then he finally closes out with this scripture. 2 Peter 3 and 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And we learned last week that grace is God's unmerited favor. We can't earn it. It's a gift to us. He loves us so much, and he just loves to bless us. And so we're to grow in grace, and we're to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God wants more than anything, more than anything for us to know him, to know him and his son, Jesus Christ. And why? Why? Because God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants us to know him in and out. He wants to share with us everything that we need to know to live this life effectively and successfully. He wants us to know his son. See, God wants to reveal himself to us because he wants us to know who we are in him. Who are we in the Lord? He wants us to know that. And he wants to unveil his plan for our lives. So he has a plan for each and every one of us. And he wants to shape us. He wants to mold us like his son. He wants us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. And so I said, Lord, well, show me where you say that. Help me out. And he took me to Romans 8, 28, and 29. 
And from the New Living Translation, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so if we're believers, God has chosen us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. And when we said, yes, Jesus, come into my life now, be my Lord, be my Savior, when we said that, we were also saying, Lord, I belong to you. I belong to you. I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to you. And in belonging to you, I will follow you. I will deny myself. I will take up my cross. And I will follow you. I will share in your joy. And I will share in your sufferings. I will endure persecutions. I will endure trials. I will endure tribulations, but I will also reign with you, Lord, in victory, in victory. And so we belong to God, and our life is no longer ours. And when he tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of his son, there's a reason. There's a reason. Everything that is written in the word of God, there's a purpose for it. Everything. You know, when I used to study the Bible, I used to say, well, God, you know, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so. There's like a couple of pages. And I'm like, really, God, do I have to, really? And he said, yes, daughter, you have to understand the lineage and the history. You have to understand every word in here. It's not something I just threw in here. Holy Spirit inspired men to write what God told them to write, and it's for our good. And so I'm saying, Lord, help me then to understand. Holy Spirit, show me, reveal to me your word and make it plain for me so I can use it in my life. I want it to be a living book, not just a book full of pages, but a living book that applies to what I'm going through today. And God will always illuminate his word for you if you ask him. He will illuminate it. He'll break it down for you. He'll show you. I believe I'm here. You know, when I first came to Radiant, I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I came in the door and I said, well, Lord, really am I supposed to be here? They're, they're all young, most of them. What am I doing here? And he said, so what, they're young. And then I'm going to say something else that I'm ashamed to tell you, but I'm going to tell you because God knows. I said, I don't see many people that look like me, God. I don't. And you know what he said? Look again. You're looking through your natural eyes. Look again. You're not blind. Yes, you do. You see them. They look like you because they love me and they're believers. And that's all that matters. It's not the color, it's not the economic status, it's not your job, your employment, 
We're a body of believers. We're family. We're one. And yes, you look like me and I look like you because we serve the Father. And so if Jesus, if we're to learn about Jesus, who says even in John 4 and 16, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he's the way. He's the pattern. He's the mold. He's the way that we should go. So if he's the way that we should go, and if God wants us to be like him, then we have to understand who Jesus is and the life that he led. We have to understand the things that he did and why he did them. And you know what that requires? That requires getting into our word. It requires that. To grow in the knowledge of Christ, we have to study God's word. Now, last Friday, I spoke at the College and Careers group, and it was a blessing beyond words. So, young folk, um, if you get an opportunity, uh, the DeWards, Sarah and Jared DeWard uh, are the head of that group, the leaders of that group, or talk to some of the people who belong to that group. It was a blessing. They blessed me because it's so good to see our young people hungry for the Lord. It's so good to see this next generation and what God is doing through them. And we spent time in the book of Luke, Luke 2. And I believe we were in verse 40 through 52. And very quickly, I'm going to tell you is what we were studying is when Jesus was 12 years of age. And his parents, Mary and Joseph, took him to Jerusalem. And they were going there for the Passover feast. And after the feast was over with, Joseph and Mary were headed home, and they thought Jesus was with them. But after a day, they recognized that Jesus wasn't with them. Now, in those days, when they traveled for the feast, they traveled in groups. Families just traveled, and the roads were full. It was like a pilgrimage almost. And so it wasn't very unusual that your child might be with somebody else in the family playing. But after a day, they became very worried, and they said, uh-oh, we need to double back to Jerusalem and find our son. And they went back. It took them three days. And what did they find? They found their son, Jesus. He's in the temple at 12 years of age. And Luke 2 says he was listening to the teachers, he was asking them questions, and he was answering questions. And those who heard were amazed. But his mother and father, and I'll pick up in, and you don't have this scripture up, but I'm going to read it to you. In Luke 2, 48 and 49, his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? This is the New Living Translation. Your father and I have been frantic searching for you every, everywhere. And he responds, but why did you need to search? He asks, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? 
And the King James Version says, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? See, here's a 12-year-old showing us the importance of studying the word. He was there in the temple because the father wanted him to be in the temple. That was a priority for Jesus at 12, to be about his dad's business. But what God revealed to me is to be about our dad's business, it requires that we know his word. It requires that we study his word. And so I'm going to say something, and you guys don't hit me. Don't hit me. I mean it. Don't hit me. Because you, you're going to walk with me in love. You're going to walk with me in love. I love Pastor Jeremy. I love Sister Anna. I love their children. I love Radiant Church. And Pastor Jeremy, one of the reasons why God brought me here, he's revealed it to me, is because the anointing that is on him for teaching. He has many gifts, but he has an, an anointing on him for teaching. He inhales the word. Okay? I mean, he inhales it, and he loves it, but that's the gifting. He was cut for that. God cut him for that. And he is following God's plan for his life. And he's teaching. And so God showed me, daughter, I want you to get stronger in your studies. I want you to dig in. You study now, but I want more from you. Because I have more on my plate for you to do. And so we must be in constant, constant study mode. We can't just say, okay, I got enough of the word today and that's enough. We must constantly study the word. And one of the things that God showed me was that although my son Jeremy is anointed and although I'm using him, Celeste, to kindle a fire in you to increase your studies, you're accountable for what you learn and what you do on your time too. It can't just be Pastor Jeremy on Sunday, okay? I love him, but what do we do when we live here, leave here? And it's up to us to continue what he imparts and what he shows us. We should be picking up our Bibles Monday through Saturday and continuing on with our studies. And so that is what God was showing me about my life. He was showing me, I want to take you to the next level. I have more things for you to do. So you're going to have to amp up your prayer, amp up your study, amp up your praise and worship. I'm like, I'm on the praise and worship, God. You know that. I can amp it up some more, but I don't know how they're going to take me at Radiant, okay? <laughs> I'll amp it up, but I don't want them running out of their seats, Lord, okay? So, yes, we must study the word of God. And so now I'm going to take you to a body of Scripture and I want you to be patient because th this scripture, all scripture is rich. But this body of scripture just spoke to me. I mean, so strong. So I'm going to take you to Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And I'm going to read from the King James Version, if you have your Bibles with you. And it says, well, let me set it up before... I get into it a little bit. 
I want to tell you that we saw Jesus at 12 in the temple, but there's not much recorded in the Bible about Jesus' life between the ages of 13 and 29. There's not much. So when we see what he's doing at 12, if it's in the Bible, it must have been really important for God to put it in there for us to pay attention as to what Jesus was doing at the age of 12. And so then again, we see him at 30, around the age of 30, and he's with John the Baptist, and he's asking John the Baptist to baptize him. And John does. And as Jesus is coming up out of the water, the heavens open up, and a dove descends upon him. And, and the Lord God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then we go to pick up in Matthew because right away after he gets baptized, Holy Spirit leads him to the wilderness. Okay, And in Matthew 4 and 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, we've got the devil quoting, trying to quote scripture. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered in unto him. And in the version of Luke of this account, it says the devil departs for a season, but he comes back. Okay? So this is a, a large body of scripture, and I want to break down some key points for you. And point number one, God's word, okay? God's word prepares and equips us for dealing with all situations. See, at the age of 12, he's getting Jesus filled up with the word because it was preparing him for what was ahead. It was preparing him the word for the ministry that he would have in this earth. It was preparing him for dealing with the temptations and the 
persecutions and the trials, just like the word prepares us for that. So can you think of what Jesus must have been going through 40 days and 40 nights out in the wilderness, exposed to the elements, not eating? Now, in the physical realm, in the natural realm, his body was probably pretty weak, but he was stronger than you could ever think. And why? Because he was full of the word. He was full of the word. We didn't see that he was frightened. We saw that he was in authority. So it's important for us to know and to understand that we're not studying the word just to be studying. We're getting equipped. We're getting prepared for not only today, but things ahead. And the reason why it's so important to keep studying it's because when the storms hit, you don't want to be digging for the scripture then. You want to have a foundation to stand on. So we could see that Jesus, even though he was weak, the God in him was strong. The God in him was strong. And so point number two, God's word builds our confidence in God and it strengthens us. See, there was wording that I looked at when the devil said, if thou be the son of God, if thou be the son of God. Twice he said it, if thou be the son of God. He was challenging Jesus' identity. If thou be the son of God. Well, the enemy does that to us too. He tries to make us doubt our identity. You know, studying the word, not only, as I mentioned before, it reveals, God reveals himself to us, but it also shows us who we are in God. And so Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was in God. He knew that he did not have to be afraid. He knew that the, he had authority over the situation and over the enemy. And so God wants us to know the same. But to get that confidence built up in us, we need to get word in us and word in us and word in us because we get stronger and stronger and stronger because that word just builds us up and builds us up and builds us up. And then it comes out of us like rivers of living water. And that word that is in us, it flows out of us to be a blessing to the world, to be a blessing to our families, to be a blessing to those who need to see the God in us. So the word, it gives us our confidence. It builds our confidence in our Lord, but it strengthens us. It strengthens us. It equips us and it prepares us. Jesus knew what was coming, and he was ready. He didn't have any fear. He didn't have any trepidation because he had studied the word, and he had confidence that God's word would deliver him out of that situation. And God's word will deliver us out of all situations. And so I know I sound like a broken record, but as I'm ministering to you, I'm ministering to myself. Keep going, Celeste, with the word. 
keep getting more word in you. You need it. We need it. Because God has much work for us to do as a body, as a family. And we're not going to be able to be as effective that we, as effective as we can be without the word. And so this is one of point number three. God's word has power and authority over everything. If you notice, Jesus didn't engage in any idle conversation with the enemy. And I thought back, I went back to Genesis, and I know Eve was tricked and beguiled by the serpent, but she was engaging in conversation with the serpent. And it taught me that we don't engage in conversation with the enemy of our soul. We don't have idle conversation with him because he's trying to plant seeds into our mind and he's trying to make us doubt our identity and he's trying to make us think that God does not love us and it's a lie. It's all lies because he's a deceiver. That's what the enemy is. He's a deceiver. And so the word has power. It has power and authority. And Jesus exercised it by speaking it. By speaking it. In three instances, we see that he speaks the word to the enemy. He doesn't beg. He doesn't say, I'm tired. I've been here 40 days, 40 nights. I'm hungry. Get out of here. He speaks the word to him. When the enemy says, turn these stones into bread, he comes back with Deuteronomy 8 and 3. When the enemy says, cast, your, cast yourself down from the pinnacle and cast yourself down, and he comes back with Deuteronomy 6 and 16, which is in the Old Testament. And when the enemy says, you can have the kingdoms of the world if you will bow down to me, he comes back with Deuteronomy 6 and 13. He just speaks the word to him. Nothing else, but he speaks the word with authority. With authority. And so, as I looked at that, I was like, Lord, wow. He took, the, he took the sword and he cut the devil. He cut him. Every time the, the enemy came, he cut him with the word. He cut him with the word. He cut him with the word. And I said, we don't have to be afraid because we know that for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Hebrews 4 and 12. He cut them with the word. And we have the same ability. We have the same ability to back up the enemy. You can't mess with my family because the word says, enemy, that I have authority over you. My finances, yeah, maybe, maybe, Right now, I'm having a challenge with them, but the Lord tells me that he supplies for all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And I'm going to stand on that word, and I'm going to believe that word, and I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to show me what I need to do. 
because God loves me. We have authority over sickness. We have authority over disease. We have authority. The same authority that Jesus had belongs to us. But this is what I discovered. When the trials hit, and they will hit, you will be tested. If there's not any word in us, how can we say it is written? How can we say it is written? See, the Lord revealed to me that our ability as the body of Christ to effectively deal with situations depends on how much word that we have in us. If we have little word, there's going to be little effectiveness. And if we have much word in us, it's going to be much power, and we're going to overcome that situation and put the enemy on the run. Number four. The word of God puts Satan on the run. Now, Satan's persistent. He didn't come at Jesus one time. He didn't come at him two times. He came at him three times. But this is what I love about our Lord Jesus. He's like, I'm standing my ground. I'm speaking the word. And on the third time, he just said, get the hint, Satan. And Satan had to obey the word. See, if the living word, if the living word, even though he, he was in the flesh, he was God that came down from heaven in the form, he put himself in the form of man. But Jesus is the living word. If he has to study the word, then we have to study the word. And if he used the word to put the devil on the run, then we have to use the word to put the devil on the run because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the pattern. Jesus is who we follow. And so we do the things that Jesus did and we get the results that Jesus got. And we will be effective for the kingdom. And his glory shall reign forever and ever. And we don't have to be afraid when, when trials and tribulations come. We don't have to be afraid, church. We need to stand in the authority that's been given to us by the blood of Jesus. But we have to study the word. You know, I wish I could put Pastor Jeremy on speed dial when I'm facing the situation. Pastor Jeremy, speak the word to this. Pastor Jeremy, speak the word to that. But I can't. That word has to come out of me. I don't want to go to heaven and get before the Lord and find out that I didn't fulfill every jot and tittle of his plan for me because I didn't spend enough time understanding that I had the authority to complete the entire plan that he had. I can't say, well, I missed service on that Sunday and those two Sundays, and I didn't make it. I don't think that's going to go over well with our Lord. He's saying, you've got the word right here. Get into it. And so I believe everybody in here today, by faith, I believe everybody in here is going to accelerate their time in the word. Who of you here wants to get stronger in the word of God? Amen. Amen. And so let me pray. 
Father God, we hunger for you, Father God. We love you. Stir up the gifts in us, Daddy. Stir up the gifts, Father God. Stir up the hunger in us, Father God. We want, we want your word. We want to learn more about you. Holy Spirit, show us what we need to learn. Give us a revelation of God's word in everything that we read. Lord, reveal yourself to us and show us who we are in you, Lord. And help us take this word, this living word, and apply it to our lives. Father God, let us have all the confidence in you, Dad, not in ourselves, but in you and your word, Father God. For we know the order of things, Father God, and you are first and foremost. Let us put down, Father God, the newspaper or the television, turn it off, Father God, or the word games or the video games, Daddy. And I'm praying, Father God, we're praying, Father God, that we will take that time and devote that time to you, Father God, to get girded up in you, to get stronger in you. And Lord, what we do with that praise, we promise you, we're going to give you all the glory. We're going to give you all the honor. So forgive us, Lord, for being slack. Forgive us. Because, Father God, we do love you above all. And we're going, Father God, to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray and say, amen. So at this time, we're going to ask our prayer partners to come up. And I want to thank you. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of sharing the word with you today. I pray that word was life-changing for you. And come on back next Sunday when our pastor, Jeremy Brown, will be back. Thank you. Thank you very much.